Cheers. Welcome back. Baja Blast going in. Mm. Listen, I'm so excited to be recording the podcast. I'm so excited to finally be reading. She checks the title. Night of the she looks down and checks the title. <laughs> well, Welcome yeah. back to the podcast, everyone. <laughs> Shaky grounds today. <laughs> I missed you. I've been talking to you about books. It's been really about exciting. George's books specifically. So this is, this is going to be good. And uh, it's the uh, probably like the most friendly book that we the most friendly of his writings in the world of ice and fire for us to come back with Mm -hmm. and uh that influenced a lot of our decision but i would say mostly for me it was a couple weeks ago sitting in the sun burning my skin and mostly because i couldn't put this book down it was a convenient block for my face i didn't have a hat so i used the back (laughs) of the book as a shade and burned through all three of these once again and reignited my passion for uh this specific narrative in A Song of Ice and Fire, one that you have never cracked the cover on, but have discovered one of the greater mysteries of already. I discovered about five minutes ago when we started the podcast, (laughs) Hannah shows me her laptop screen, (laughs) and it's just a whole historical breakdown of egg. (laughs) Listen, I Googled one phrase that I don't know if I should say what I Googled. It's so silly. I know nothing. I Googled, is egg a Targaryen? Okay, listen, 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 listen. I have, hold I, on, let me take one of these notes off. Uh, talk to Hannah, <laughs> ask her what she knows okay, about Dunkin' Eggs listen, so far. Listen, I'll tell you what I know about Dunkin' Eggs so far. Let's hear it. I Googled that based off an inkling because they talked about his eyes being purple. That was Or a, bluish, yeah. Or bluish, mm. that almost looked purple. I take full responsibility for spoiling myself on that front. Before that, that was the only thing I knew about Dunk. Like, I didn't know anything. So when you were reading, mm-hmm. I looked over... And I saw one of the pictures, and mm-hmm. it, there was a little kid. And I was like... Yeah, you were like, who's that kid? Yeah, I was like, who's that kid? Why is I he had, bald? I had no idea that Egg was a kid. I didn't know anything about... It could have been anyone. It could have been anyone. Like blood and cheese. Mm-hmm. It does. They're not as friendly or fun as they no, sound. No, no, no. Well, I guess blood doesn't sound. But when you put cheese beside blood, blood kind of sounds It makes it a little fun. more comical. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. So uh, what did you picture whenever people... As a host of a book club about right. George's books... And having heard this having never read from it. all of our friends <laughs> and having never read it, what was in your head? What was the, the whenever like the, you get a mental image when you think of something, what was the mental image of what came up whenever people would talk about Dunkin' Egg and you would kind of pretend like you knew what they were talking about? So I, <laughs> what it is, so true. <laughs> I pictured it to be way stuffier than it actually is. I don't know what my problem was. Oh, there was no problem. It's like, I never read it. I started on the podcast and then I knew eventually we would probably read it. And so I just didn't read it because how fun is it that we get to do it together? Mm-hmm. I get to unravel the mystery in real time like you got to do. With yeah, real, a real time. Even faster than it takes to read. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I can Google things. Is <laughs> 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 I saw that in my, I was crestfallen. The I'm definition really sorry. Of the word. No, it's fine. It's your personal journey. I was just, my questions that I had ready at the top of this podcast, I had to throw them all in the trash. I know, but listen, it is silly it's obvious, that right? I, yeah, it's obvious. Yeah. That's why I Googled it because I was like, right. he's obviously a Targaryen. Right. It is so silly that I know nothing about this book at all. So that's all I knew is nothing. So what was in your head? I forget. Did that you they were, that? It was like some stuffy thing. I thought it was like two old guys running around together. Okay. And so okay. that's all I know. <laughs> so if they're old guys, the story sucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's probably true. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. And so you were having such a good time rereading it mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. And I've been intrigued. And we want to come back to, obviously, we want to get back into A Song of Ice and Fire. want to get back into some summer reading vibes. And so it seemed like the perfect thing for yes. us to dive into. Yes. And it was something I actually really wanted to read. And so... um. I, we read what, like 36 pages for Depending on the version you read. We have reading from the re-release, The Night of the Seven Kingdoms, because you already had the book and it's convenient. I'm doing the same thing, but a digital version. Mm -hmm. I read from the physical one and the digital one recently. This is the best beach book I've ever read. I've read on different kinds of beaches. Cold beaches, Mm -hmm. uh, urban beaches, separated by a fence. (laughs) I've read on lakeside beaches. I've read on oceanside beaches, bayside beaches. This one is the best book that I've read next to a beach, for sure, 100%. And the amount of emotion that I've felt while reading this and trying to talk to people about it is 
overwhelming at times. I don't know why. I really don't know mm-hmm. why. There's just so much archetypal truth in this because it's such a simple story. Characters like Steely Pate, Dunk himself, Egg himself, they all just speak to me so much. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I feel like George really figured this out. And I'm excited for you to finish The Hedge Knight and read the, the other two books because they just get better. And it just creeps more toward offering further context on Asawaf at large. And I feel like, especially with this becoming a TV adaptation, that's part of the news we haven't talked about in our um, vacation from the podcast, is uh, Duncan Egg is potentially being picked up as a live-action series on HBO or Max or whatever we're calling it now, maybe something else next year. After rereading it and refreshing myself, Waterside, maybe it's the... uh, the sun rays, maybe it's being a little burnt. I feel like this is going to be, could be a really powerful television show because of its simplicity. And to those of you who've read it, I think you know what I'm saying when you when I'm saying that even though the time periods in the next two stories are separated from this first one, I think that there's clear seasons that are already drawn out if they wanted to make a plan the way he's already published it, but there's also opportunity to add so much more. And depending on where and when it comes out in the timetable of George releasing his books, mm-hmm. HBO releasing further successor series, I think that there's an awesome opportunity for this to give even further context toward the next thing that would be coming out. Like they'll all weave together in a really pretty way. Like we're getting hot D. Meanwhile, we're all waiting for the Winds of Winter, where we're probably going to find out about John, potentially another Targaryen that we don't know about. Obviously, Danny and Marine. I should Google if John's a Targaryen. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> so I think that it's exciting because before it was mysterious, what mm-hmm. is going to be the future of A Song of Ice and Fire? And then we got Hot D, we got Fire and Blood, and it became clear that we were going to sort of be humbly focusing on stuff that, air quotes, already exists. But the reason it already exists because I believe it is a long-term plan that is unfolding, and it is straightforward. It doesn't have to be a mysterious grand scale that we don't quite know yet. It can be this stuff, and we can dig into it further, and we can find further context on the world of ice and fire through it and potentially guess within our own minds what might be next. And I want to talk about the end of this third story. Obviously, (laughs) we're going to have to get through it on the podcast to eventually get there, but to those of you listening at home that have read Duncan Egg, all three of the books, read the whole Night of the Seven Kingdoms. The way that the last story ends, I think that there's just so much opportunity. And it would be such great timing between Winds of Winter and now, and probably even better timing to see it displayed on television between Winds and Dream Spring. So I'm 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 in. I'm in. And I'm glad to be doing this during the summer. I'm glad I we know. picked this to come back with because it's really fun. We were thinking about cracking a world of ice and fire for a while and <laughs> we a did different crack vibe. it it would have been a different vibe so we'll get to it but we also have uh, other stuff that we're going to get to that we've been planning and working on before we started this and uh, we decided to come back with a softer landing and have a little bit of fun before mm-hmm. we get into the serious stuff as we prep for the coldness of winter I feel like it's a little more at least from reading the first 36 pages in the edition that I'm reading it is such an accessible entryway back into the world of Westeros and it there's a couple things that really struck me first how hilarious this book is this book is so funny and I can totally see how this would make an incredible adaptation for tv because you know we loved the hound and Arya and that was half as funny as the relationship that Duncan Egg are starting to Mm -hmm. form between the two of them and I cannot wait to see how that progresses um just the way from the moment that they're introduced to each other, yeah. the way that they speak to each other, he says, um, Dunk comes into where Egg is, and let me... He, like, pulls up to the side of the stable, and yeah. comes out of the water naked, and there is a drawing of it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, there is. Okay. So he's, like, bald and naked, and he's like, can you help me? And the kid's basically like, if I wanted to. <laughs> so, yeah. It gets the idea, he's like, you know, I could be a stable boy mm-hmm. right now, and now that you have the context... It's like, okay, that's a funny decision on his behalf. It's amazing. And so 
thinking about it in the context of this eventually being adapted for TV, how fun is that going to be? I obviously have no idea what's going to happen at the end. And yeah, so I love Naked Kids on TV. That's why I watch <laughs> Euphoria. <laughs> I've never seen Euphoria. But I hear it's good because of that. Oh, yeah? I hear it's good because of all the naked high schoolers. I haven't watched it either, so I couldn't weigh in on that. But obviously, without understanding how this may fit into the, the grander context of everything, I think that it is a really neat experience that we have to be in the world of Westeros and be in the world of these characters that we love so much through so many different points of view. And this point of view so far is of locked in a seemingly like lowly hedge knight who wants to be someone and who wants to make a name for himself, which is such a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of thing. And we see that a little bit in A Song of Ice and Fire as a whole, but it's really fun to get like a true and genuine starter from the bottom tale that we get to see the single narrative of. It starts out he's digging a grave for his mentor. Yeah, which is really sad. It's dark and you're like, who's this grave for? Who is this guy? What's happening? And then as the chapter progresses, we understand where Dunk came from and kind of the interaction that he has when he's trying to sign up for the tourney and they're like, who are you? And he's like, no one. I mean, think about the moment where Dunk is challenging or where Egg is challenging him in his name. He's like, Dunk, what is that Mm -hmm. short for? And he, this first time I missed that in my first couple of reads, I don't know how, but today I realized, I was like, wait a second, he has never thought about what Dunk is. Right. He's like, yeah, I guess it is short for Duncan. Right. Duncan the what? (laughs) I don't have a family. I can't take the name of my mentor, because he did. I don't, I don't know, know where, where it's Penny from. Tree is. So I'm tall. I'm Duncan, Sir Duncan the Tall. And Nearly I, seven feet tall, strapping young lad. <laughs> 16 <laughs> or 17. I'm getting 23 vibes off him for some reason. Uh-huh. But yeah, 16 or 17. That's pretty much like 23. It's, 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 in their age. It's the way he's out day. there hunting for the girlies. years prior to the <laughs> current AGOT. Right. I mean, Joffrey, Rob, John... Obviously, they're aged up in the show, but even I'm doing a, a Song of Ice and Fire reread right now. Even going through that, they just, I don't know if it's because they're lordlings, but it's they, they're not they interested. have a vibe of 18 to 25. They're not interested in the girlies yet, like this guy is, you know? Mm-hmm. So he seems older because he's on the prowl. Do you, you consider <laughs> Dunk being interested in the girlies? Yes. I mean, he is literally interested yeah. in a girlie in this. Right. And all I can think about is how much he wants to kiss her. Go and on. The, I. <laughs> It is so human, and I, I'm so excited to get to know this guy because he doesn't really know who he is, and he so surely believes in himself that he's willing to bet everything he has on Wild. what's coming up. We've got Targaryen princelings, which is kind of fun to see Targaryens as the bad guys again. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, who's this guy? Yeah, And it's like the Targaryen girly, She's we don't like her. She's not as hot as the little puppet girl, is what he thinks, yeah. which that was so yeah. funny. And then he. Gets, I wonder if she was actually not as hot as the puppet girl, or if he was just knew that she was unattainable, so he just blocked that out of his mind. You know that whole style. We're like, nah, sure, that's not sure. that good anyway. Sure. I'm curious. I don't know if she was a Targaryen. She might have just been among. I, she. I'd have to reread, but wasn't it someone coming out of Ashford Castle to greet the princelings? That was a girl. Potentially, she had blonde hair. Red, she had yeah. like blonde oh, okay. hair and a round face. So either way, she was an important girly. Right. And Dunk's like, hmm, I already High saw a little, little brown-haired that. cutie over here. Yeah, <laughs> she can move her She's hands. Great with her hands. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. It is such. It's just good energy. Like that's so natural. Like that's. It, I don't know. I, I love when George gets silly. You know, I think yeah. he does such a good job of being hilarious. He's such a funny writer. It's hard to do that in the context of a lot of the POVs in Aswan mm-hmm. because so many of these people are serious. Yes. And then you get to Vic, and it's like, okay, fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, completely. So. I I really like Duncan Egg for its single narrative structure, just because it's a little different. But also, um, we get more time mm-hmm. synchronously. I think if we reordered chapters from Aswaf, we could be like, mm, it feels like that when I'm right. with Tyrion the whole time. But there's also so much time that goes in in between. But this is a uh, an experience that we don't usually get. This is when they wake up and uh, Dunk's makeshift. Uh, what's it called? Pavilion, pavilion under the, the tree. trees. This is an iconic location, by I the way. I loved so the way he described that. Think about that. that. Wasn't it beautiful? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It, it's, First of all, after he washes his clothes and he's kind of just sprawled out, spot. it's so green and lush, yeah. and he's just just a western slope. Yeah, I was doing like, wow. what Sir Arlen did. He yeah. wanted to see the sunset, so he would uh, always, always every night. It doesn't matter where they were; they would basically have the same home, mm-hmm. be a western slope, and they'd set up all their same stuff. And mm-hmm. since they're hedge knights, they don't have a lot of things, but the things that they do have is very specific. There is the sword, Sir Arlen's sword, which is the the castle forge steel, like the best thing in his in his lineup. It's like most of us out here that are makeshift people, but we have a fresh, nice iPhone with the case on it. <laughs> yeah. Something really useful that's going to be our actual weapon against the world. It's a good sword. And they line up all their possessions, and they have their salt beef that they need to soften, and they lay against a familiar slope no matter where they are. And he it's does it again after, after his mentor's death. It's so nice. It's a great vibe, and I really loved the passage uh, when he was falling asleep for the first that first night and he sees a shooting star yeah and he says a falling star brings luck to him who sees it dunk thought but the rest of them are all in their pavilions by now staring up at a silk staring up at silk instead of sky so the luck is mine alone mm-hmm. i wonder if it's one of those things it's kind of like the same uh juxtaposition as the girl which girl was actually cuter it's is the romance and all of the simplicity actually that romantic for a hedge knight or people like him or is it a coping mechanism mm-hmm. and i think about the way dunk sees the world and i think about how he also sort of dreams of all the luxuries that come with being someone else's man you know will he sign his life over to a lord's service in order to enjoy the luxuries of life things like real food remember when he goes to the first inn the end where hadn't been, yeah he was mistaken the uh, egg as being the the woman's son mm-hmm. and there's herb crusted roasted l- lamb which sounds so good amazing it's the first time he'd eaten in an inn in half a year ducks my son shot down for some reason i pictured a shotgun like from fox and the hound i had to remind myself <laughs> it had to have been with bow and arrow and uh, brown ale that's thick on the tongue. Mm-hmm. Just what how else he likes was it. there? There was something else. Anyway, I have a, I have a copy here somewhere, but I already I have I think fifty notes. Uh, literally, if you look at these numbers, wow, fifty three. Oh my gosh! I know on this one chapter, I went in too hard. I really like. That's Dunk why. I, a that's lot. why I, I can't. Who better so to read this with than you? So I can think of a few people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was I saying? Anyway, I I don't know if it's preference or if it's a coping mechanism but also the style in which dunk tends to see the world and i think sir arlen was like that and because sir arlen rescued him from his way of life mm-hmm. being an orphan and flea bottom right. so early so many of his things like the clout in the ear the way that he's sleeping at night the way that he sees the world down to his lifestyle he's taken from his mentor fine but maybe it is innate in some of us where the luxuries mean a lot less and the experience seems to speak deeper to their soul and so I wonder if even he had the ability to have a pavilion, would he like it as much as this fringe of society? He goes and he he sees the colors that are unable to be seen. All you really see is green, that beautiful green. But if you're in a place like Dorne, that green is just as exotic as these banners are. Mm-hmm. But he sees this basically makeshift city where all the stuff goes down for human beings, especially in this time period and this aesthetic where there's no real technology basically just like wind travel with sails is the fastest way they can get around and so people who've put berries and nuts and different things into bowls and smashed them up and dyed fabric and collected them all in this one place makes everything seem bustling and exciting and that's where the action is that's where you can buy stuff like armor and you can see hot girls playing with puppets for some reason and there's <laughs> opportunity you might have, there's a place and this doesn't happen pretty much anywhere else there's a place where you can go there's a tall drink of water in the form of a lady and you could offer her a chance to go eat sausage with you later mm-hmm. and it's right there and you really can't do that outside of a city especially in these times mm-hmm. and in this place and so it's cool but he's still i don't know i feel this romance when he goes about half a mile away from uh, the the campsite outside of Ashford. And um, he just uh, relaxes on the fringes and soaks up everything that I think he really think might be beautiful to him. What do you think about that? I think it reminds me of the first time I drove a car by myself on the freeway and I was all alone. And it reminds me of the first time I, like when I moved into my own apartment by myself. He's by himself for the first time, mm. seemingly ever, 
He doesn't have his mentor with him anymore. He talks about he's holding more money than he's ever been able to hold Mm -hmm. because he wasn't allowed to hold anything. Not that they really had much before, but I think it's a a mixture of that romanticism that you get from being being young, being young and being into the way of life that he's into. But also this is his opportunity to make his mentor proud. This is his opportunity to be his own man. And I think that especially having Egg join him as a squire, it kind of makes him a little more important. This is a little bit more legitimate because now he's got somebody who he now has to care for. So he's the man of the house kind of situation. And so I see it as a combination of all of that. Plus he's on his own for the first time. So he's able to forge whatever life that he wants to and he is kind of debating those options and he decides to come to this tournament because there's a point um at the beginning of the chapter when he talks about what hedge knights do it's like they ride from battle to battle they serve different lords here and there and then move on and every once in a while a tournament comes around and so this is that once in a while yeah once in a while opportunity to do make a name for himself. He wants to win. He wants to be a champion and he wants to be somebody. And whether that leads him to serve some great lord or that leads him to be able to do his own thing, I think is yet to be told for me. Mm-hmm. But that optimism and that excitement of a fresh new beginning with that young swagger and confidence that he so <laughs> deeply holds. See, I read that as, I, I agree with you, but it's so obviously because he's silly. Oh, for sure. You know it's, that's why it's like a young, in, almost innocent kind of, I don't need your coin You because, owe me 750 stags tomorrow. He's yeah, like, bet. Yeah, I no will problem. Have it. I meanwhile have three on me. No problem. I've completely done stuff like that in my life. I totally relate. Yes, completely. <laughs> it's so funny. Am I going to have to potentially beat a prince? Sure, but I just need to win one battle. Yeah. I'll have I will be a champion. little extra. I have no other option. I'll have the ability to give away some of that stuff if also, I need to. Also, if you lose, you, uh, you relinquish everything. The horse, your arms, your arm, armament. Holy crap, what a gamble. They're making fun of him when he goes to sign up because he's like... You're going to lose. Yeah, he's like, you don't have literally anything. Yeah, what's a hedge knight without even his camp role of his specific equipment? You lose that, then that's when um, in the Desperation, Dunk talks about this a lot where the hedge knights turn into robbers or in the leaner Mm -hmm. months, like in the cold, hedge knights turn into robbers. What a great little uh, mechanism that George spun to be able to explain human nature in such a relatable way within Mm -hmm. the context of Westeros to show us these people. And it's like, ah, yes, that is true. They could have good intentions, but if things get lean and the lords are also too busy supplying their own house knights, a hedge knight coming through, Unless you're magical, unless you've won attorney like this, how much do you, how much are you really valuable in a time of need? So Especially you, when there's cell swords, yeah, you, you know, and so mm-hmm. which which comes with a little less. Yeah, isn't that funny? Heraldry. that cell swords seem to be more of a. Um, uh, an associate thing. Mm-hmm. It seems like, uh, especially in this period, that hedge knights are more more uh, acceptable for uh, a dignified house to bring around because one, they've been seemingly knighted. Um, and two, that's like, it seems like that's all available. It seems like cell swords would be more like associated with the North or something for mm-hmm. some reason in my mind. Or maybe mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the way that the free folk work, but yeah, that's not, knighthood's not really heraldry in that same way. And, uh, chivalry is not really an associate, um, like a virtue, right. which is funny. But he talks so much about making sure that he looks the part, like he wants to be in order he wants to be tidy he yeah. wants to be he's talking about how, next to godliness. yeah how he they always had to bathe even if they didn't smell bad <laughs> he said it was like once a month though something yeah, about a moon's right, turn right. which lol it could never be me <laughs> yeah so i like his approach i like the way he thinks about things i agree with you i think that his seemingly romantic view of the world it 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 makes him so deeply personable and then to have that his seriousness that he's taking everything juxtaposed with egg running around with his he is the depot his egg ran, looking ran head and dunk's like what's your name and he was like egg and dunk pauses for a second and he's like yeah <laughs> you look like it i mean he doesn't say it but he's just like in his mind he's like men can be cruel <laughs> clever boy if he put if he put that together once the maester shaved his head or whoever shaved his head i forget they 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 talk about it later I'm not going to say why. 
even though it's pretty obvious, but I won't say why. <laughs> Whenever they shaved his head, I wonder if that's when that clicked in his brain. Like, I could just call myself Egg. Yeah. But it does sound like his actual name. Yeah. I don't know. It all It's all just sort of perfectly clicks together. It's like, damn it. Why do you have to make it so clean? The vibes like are good. The vibes like the are great. the universe meant for this to happen. Right. Or somebody mm. wrote it really well. <laughs> yeah, but like, how did he even write it like that? Yeah, yeah. Just a clean guess? Come yeah. on. So it's good. And that's the podcast. And that's the podcast. Oh. How about these illustrations by Gary Gianni? I, that picture of the first time we see Egg, the illustration of him, maybe I'll put that, I don't know, can I put that yeah, on Instagram? Yeah, put that little boy butt on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's going it to stories, flagged. it'll go away. I already got fl- flagged on Instagram during um, House of the Dragon for asking for f- <laughs> feed <laughs> pics. <laughs> <laughs> so I might be two strikes and I'm out, but it's kind of fun having photos to Really to match like yeah. the story because I feel like Egg's personality comes to life 50 times more when you see him on the on Thunder, the horse with the, the helm over his head and he kind of looks, you can see the picture here. Yeah, The helmet's a little bit too big for his head and he's got his little sackcloth on and um, it's, I feel like it just adds to the experience. It's a different oh, experience sure that we... I um, like the illustrated uh, Song of Ice and Fire books, too. Yeah, look at Dunk lurching. This is on what page is that? This is on page 12 and 13. On page 12, he looks giant. He looks way older He's than tall. 16, 17, though. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Right? Am I wrong? No, you're correct. It's all working out for him. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um. He tries to put on Sir Arlen's uh, sword belt. He has yeah. to tie it with rope. Yeah. Think about how ragtag this dude looks. I like it too. No, I like, listen, I love Dunk. I just think it's hilarious. And his uh, point of view, he was like, uh, if it works, it works. He's like, your sword belt doesn't Yeah, fit. yeah. He's a very likable kind of no, no nonsense thus far energy. And then we get the Targaryen princeling. Oh, geez, that's who it is. Um, What was his name again? Valar? No. Oh, yeah, maybe. I thought it started with a... D? No, it was the... It doesn't really matter. What, he's somebody's son. He's Bail, Prince Balon's son. Uh, or Baylor? somebody. Balor. Yeah, Prince Balor's son. I thought Valar was the... Yeah, it is Valar. My yeah. bad. With two R's. Anyway, yeah, this is what he looks like. you got two R's. It's not Valar. It's <laughs> he Valar. He looks so mean. You know? I, I saw that illustration. I just thought it was some foppish gentleman. He doesn't look mean to me. He looks... Like, uh, like annoyed. Do you want to hang impatient. out with this guy? Oh, no. But not, I, I think not I, he needs some good razzing. You know yeah, he saying? does. He does. But he's here to join the tournament. What page is that one? That is on page 31. Okay, right. I just, I loved. So Dunk is trying to get, he's trying to sell his horse, I think, at this point. And he's waiting in the stables. Mm-hmm. Sweetfoot. And sweetfoot. yeah, he promises he's going to come back for Old her. Chestnut, she wins. Sweetfoot, Thunder. I mean, he's got all crew with him when the story starts. We literally get put on, like on the the right track immediately. I know. Go on, go on. I really hope he comes. I really hope he comes back. For Can her. you believe he had to sell his horse? I know. That's about as sad as it gets. And he gives the two coppers back. And he's like, just Can an you? apple for a yeah. little. Yeah. I just you know continuing the legacy of of his mentor in that in that regard is really nice. I can't wait to find out if he gets it back. We're like he's nice to animals. I love. This yeah, guy. he's sweet How to animals. How many books do you got? The Prince Valar immediately thinks. Oh, here it is. <laughs> he does what he does what Dunk does to Egg earlier in the chapter. Yeah. He just assumes he's a stable boy. Yes, he does. The banners. As Dunk turned his head. I'm going to read a couple. I'm Go just going to read some of this because it's so great. Um, The banners. As Dunk turned his head, a gust of wind lifted the black silk pennant atop the tall staff, and the fierce three-headed dragon of House Targaryen seemed to spread its wings, breathing scarlet fire. The banner bearer was a tall knight in white scale armor, chased with gold, a pure white cloak streaming from his shoulders. That compared to what Dunk did to get dressed. Yep. Two of the other riders were armored in white from head to heel as well. Kingsguard knights with the royal banner. Small wonder Lord Ashford and his sons came hurrying to the doors of the keep, and the fair maid too, a short girl with yellow hair and a round pink face. So it was Lord Ashford's, Ashford's kid. Yeah. She does not seem so fair to me. Dunk thought the puppet girl was prettier. Well, she was grown up. That was probably part of yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she's like a 20-year-old puppeteer. He's like, she's going to show me the world. Yeah, <laughs> just oh teach me her God. ways. She's so worldly. Thinks she's a stable boy. The princeling goes, knighthood has fallen on sad days. Oh, like, we, this is just, some just Malfoy energy. Keep going, keep okay. going. I have so many quotes too, but we're just, you know, I'm caught up in the convo. Boy, let go of that nag and see to my horse. <laughs> this is the first thing he says when he gets there. Immediately. 
a rider had dismounted in front of the stables. He's talking to me, don't he realize. He just told his horse he's a good girl. <laughs> I'm not a stable a boy, nag. my lord. Not clever enough, the speaker wore a black cloak bordered in scarlet satin, but underneath was rain bright as flame, all reds and yellows and golds, slim and straight as a dirk, though only half though only half of middling height. He was near Dunk's <laughs> own age. Curls of silver gold hair framed a face sculpted and imperious, high brow and sharp cheekbones, straight nose, pale smooth skin without blemish. His eyes were a deep violet color. If you cannot man- manage a horse, fetch me some wine and a pretty wench. Yeah. I, my lords, pardons, I'm no serving man either. I have the honor of being a knight. Knighthood has fallen on sad days, said the princeling. But then one of the sable boys came rushing up. Immediately ignored Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he realizes who that is. Then he's able to sell his horse. Which, well, he has or to go, he to has to go somewhere else. They're like, we yeah. don't want this. And you're like, they're like, but this Lord is my horse, no you know? No need for your poor horse. After spending so much time with House of the Dragon of Fire and Blood, I was just like, it's fun to be on the other side of the Targaryens for a little while. I you agree. Know? I agree. Yeah, for just sure. Just to see another point of yeah, view. Yeah, because I'm, I'm too. I'm too busy empathizing with. Yeah, them. exactly. Like, nah, nah, nah. You're not that nice. Shows <laughs> the POV need, from a hedge knight. <laughs> we need to get back in the back to the the real side. Anyway, I remember years ago when uh, we did this on the podcast, and um, I read it for the first time, thinking that this story really uniquely captures the time period. It's both the same and different from all the published works. I think Fire and Blood does a really great job, and so does The World of Ice and Fire, of uh, showing a time period that doesn't really exist anymore, Mm -hmm. post-Robert, and probably was was fading away leading up to Aerys II, for sure. But uh, Duncan Egg, The Night of the Seven Kingdoms, I think, especially The Hedge Knight, and especially as we get further into it, but some of what you just read reminded me of it. This time period being 100 years previous of uh, the starting point of uh, the main book series, they're still holding on to that enameled armor vibe. Mm -hmm. They're really going deep in a lot of the uh, accessories, the decorativeness. It's not quite as bleak and simple as uh, the when you think of well, what the vibe is of going through the Riverlands, going to the end of the crossroads, and not everyone's doing okay. It's still really holding on to this. And this tourney at Ashford still has a lot of that energy. And uh, I think Hot D really tries to capture that, especially in the opening sequence of uh, going through after the dragon training with Rhaenyra and going through the city. Um, but especially when you read Fire and Blood, you get a lot of that, the sort of gilded, edged, nature of the armor and take that as an analogy for the rest of the way the, mm-hmm. the world's described mm-hmm. this story does a really good job of uh bringing you into that time period and making it feel like an ancient time mm-hmm. but what's cool or not ancient but like an older traditional era but what's cool is that uh instead of hopping from pov to pov through dunk's very straightforward perspective it feels almost like the most modern Yes. Almost as modern as like a Tyrion chapter. That's what I was going to say. Because he's so just in, in the front of mind and Egg's quips with him are mm-hmm. just sort of break the fourth wall of any kind of propriety. So that blended together with this kind of heraldry and this kind of, uh, you know, multiple Targaryen princelings will just make you feel like your time traveled overall because we're used to just having Viserys and Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Makes it really feel special to me. Especially the way that they talk about, I think the biggest tell is how they talk about the Targaryens, how they're different. They're separate. They're from... They're still drinking the Kool-Aid, basically. Speaking of, I'm really sorry about all the ice noise. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We have two Baja Blasts going, and I very sillily have ice and an aluminum So do I. I've been taking huge gulps. And I got mouth noises, too. The combo's good. (laughs) Anyway, the the biggest tell to me is the how they talk about the Targaryens and how they're from this ancient bloodline that was here before Westeros was even formed and they're different than us. They're not the same. And Westeros in our current day is deeply in chaos because there is no order. Better people. Yeah, there's no... You can't really look up to any celebrity class almost. The position of the like the royal position has been completely made a farce basically in westeros you know it's kind of how it is in our current day. yeah <laughs> oh yeah. my god grrm <laughs> but so that has so this is like george washington area but right right like right little right little flutes and stuff as mm-hmm. they go into war okay they got gold along their jackets and but like you said at the same time this is like a very modern and very familiar 
this could be a chapter that is somewhere in book four, you know, pretty easily, I feel like. And so yeah. I really like yeah, those sure. two things together. It if just, they were still doing attorney. Yeah, yeah. But um definitely the inactivity and potentially meeting like a kid. Setting up at camp an and kinda yeah. seeing what normies are up to and wandering around. I just feel like that this could very easily be taking place somewhere, if not for this godly view of this one family that just happens to be in the minds of most people, God, that the best of the best. Reminds me, what a relief that things aren't as chaotic as they are in A Song of Ice and Fire. The War of the Five Kings hasn't broken out. Winter's not imminent. And so there's not those religious zealots kind of running stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's puppet shows and it seems that money is what's talking and Mm -hmm. bullshit's what's walking, Mm -hmm. which is really refreshing to be so far away from a city and still to feel slightly metropolitan like there's some kind of order to things. It's interesting. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how that how Dunk's point of view shows me Westeros in this 100 years yeah, before Yeah, that's why it's so good. Era. With Egg too, yeah. Yeah, I just, I think... But he could die in the next chapter or the next part of this. You never know. For sure. Did yeah. you find that out when you Googled? No. You're like, I, he lives through all three books. <laughs> Listen, I Googled one thing. It reminded me of something I should have already known because it's in the show. The TV show. Oh, yeah. Very briefly. Does but he, I didn't know what it meant. Do they say in the show that he calls him Egg? Either they say... Yeah, because he has that oh, dream. yes. Anyway, Egg, I listen. That I was old. I'm sorry. I did not put those two and two together until I literally Googled it's Egg at Targaryen. I'm not... The, That's so funny. <laughs> I am just... That's so funny. I'm, I'm trying to come at this with the most rando pov because i just think that that's kind of fun for me and so other than googling is egg a target listen i had to do one thing so i didn't sound like a total and complete idiot i get it i get it i mean it was obvious they right they say he's purple eyes and, and then, then they, six pages later it describes Val- valor's exactly, having purple yeah. ass eyes yeah. plus it was in the tv show yeah. so yeah i don't want to be sitting here like is egg a target sure sure I was going to have fun with that. I, was I know you like, were. I don't know, yeah. is he? <laughs> that, that's literally, I swear to you, pinky promise. That's all I know, though. So um, so uh, where do you think it's going to go? Man. I want to talk about some more details, but while we're on the subject, yeah, based on where questions. we are in the tourney, what, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I haven't even read the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's going he's gonna to get, he's going to be able to fight? You think it's going to be drama outside the tourney of him not being able to join? Have you I ever seen A Knight's Tale? No. That's required reading for this. We'll have to watch A Knight's Tale. Okay. I'll give you a Netflix login. Okay. Um, I hope that he is able to enter the tournament. He has some prospects to hopefully vouch for his knighthood mm-hmm. that will allow him to participate. I would love for him to enter the tournament and make some waves. I don't oh, think okay. he's going to win the whole like, thing. He's so hot. Look how tall no. <laughs> he is. He's almost seven feet. Right. His long hair. And he's thick with two C's as a castle wall. His neck wall. is too big for them to use normal helms or whatever. He was like, whatever. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> this is the details that you remember. Leave me alone. Um, I want him to make some waves in the tournament. And then I want that to then lead him an egg on some sort of adventure where he is becoming bit by bit maybe not on purpose maybe kind of on accident a little bit of a legend okay that's what i would like to see so what do you think about steely pate the armor oh that guy who he was like i only sell my own work yeah <laughs> <laughs> This here's uh, Steely Bates' introduction. Dunk's looking around at gear. He sees uh, there's like Tairashi, uh, silks, uh, different offerings. This is after he he uh, clocks Tansel. We'll learn her name. That's her name. Okay. Spoiler. He talks to her again. Whoa. And uh, so he's like, okay, okay. He sees some armor that looks like it uh, is not in his price range. We all know that. Y'all been standing outside the Chanel, mm-hmm. the Balenciaga store, right. the Apple store. Yeah, the Apple store, the Dyson store for me. Mm. I'm like, how good is that stick vacuum? That's what he was doing. He's like, but I don't need it. Uh This $40 Walmart vacuum is just good enough. So he's looking at this like, again, the enameled, like the crested, the different kind of wrought designs. We don't really see that in current Westeros. It's just sort of a relic of a different time. I think we have plumes in modern Westeros. I'm imagining Jamie with a bit of plumage. 
he's like, no, that's not it. That's not the one for me. And then he finds, because this man has good taste, all right? He's been a hedge knight. He's not been treated to the luxuries of being in a lord's care. They can only carry so much. They have to survive and they have to be useful. They have to roll out their little kit, click their gear together, and make it work in the right way. So he's looking for someone that's offering that, right? See, a knight's tale. Anyway, he sees Pate's work just spread out on the table. He looks at it. He's like, hmm, this is actually good work. Let's read it. You do good work, he said. None better, a stumpy man. The smith was no more than five <laughs> feet tall. What an intro. Yet why does dunk about the chest and arms? So in George's mind, I guess, it's like, yeah, you can be really short, but, you know, he was substantial. Mm-hmm. He made an, he, not a name, but he, he, was, he was a valuable human being. He did something to be a permanent resident of this world. He had a black beard, huge hands, and no trace of humility. And anyway, he measures them. I have some pieces in my wagon that might do for you, the man said when he was done. Nothing printed up with gold or silver, mind you. Just good still, strong and plain. I make helms that look like helms, not winged pigs and queer <laughs> foreign fruits. But mine will serve you better if you take a lance in the in the face. Dunk doesn't have the money, mm-hmm. so he figures out a deal with him. Two silvers now, and I'll give you the rest of the money tomorrow. And we Fully know he understands how much two silvers is right now to Dunk. Right, <laughs> no, like kidding. no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. And so he's got to sell the horse or he's got to win. Something's going to happen because no one's going to give him a free ride, even though he's hanging out with you-know-who mm-hmm. who has access to the place where they make the gold. Two silvers buys you a day. After that, I sell me work to the next man. Anyway, Steely Pay, why do I bring him up? I don't know. There's a moment with him later in the story that's so nice and... I don't know. I just think George nailed it with this dude. There's something about this armor that I think is uh, really crucial to explaining Westeros and really interesting that someone like this, we'll find out probably in the next episode that we do, maybe the third one, depending on how we we break this story up. So I'll just stop that point there. Stilly, Stilly Pate's cool. <clears throat> we'll talk more about somebody him later. to remember. Yeah, he, he's it. just a, and there's there's a lot of people like that that will uh, especially like right after the place that we stopped. We stopped right when uh, he basically shoots a shot with Tansel. Mm-hmm. That's where we stopped mm-hmm. for this for this podcast. So right after that, there's more interactions with characters that speak deeper to the current time and help us see dunk from a different perspective but i think what pate really does is uh he sort of serves as an anti an antithesis to our love for him Mm -hmm. because he's indifferent about how good of a person dunk appears to be he also doesn't know him so getting the approval or not of someone like this makes a big difference i think in how well we think the story's going Mm -hmm. and right after that dunk goes back to his camp and I, i don't have the passage quoted but when he's walking back to his camp and uh, he sees a fire in the distance, it's just perfectly cool and creepy. It's like pretty, beautiful and creepy at the same time. The way that the flickering firelight is at his camp. It's kind of scary because part of not having your own pavilion is opening yourself up to the danger of the elements and potential other desperate folks. It's like... a uh, a personification of not being under a lord's care. It's mm-hmm. like, what could happen to you? Right. And at least at this point in the story, things are kind of sunshine and rainbows. And I was looking at a picture of Steely Pate. Mm-hmm. Um, because when he gets there, it's sunshine and rainbows. It's just a little dunk or right. a little egg. I always get them mixed up. Not because I actually do, because their names are both so silly. They're so silly. Yeah. Can I read it? Yeah, go ahead. If you're ready. Yeah. Dunk was moving through a patch of weed, chewing over his chances in his head thinking about the next attorney, when he saw the flicker of firelight through the bushes. What is this? Dunk did not stop to think. Suddenly his sword was in his hand and he was crashing through the grass. He burst out roaring and cursing, only to jerk to a sudden halt at the sight of a boy beside the campfire. You, he lowered the sword. What are you doing here? Cooking a fish, said the bald boy. (laughs) Do you want some? Want some? I mean, how did you get here? Did you steal a horse? I rode in the back of a cart with a man who was bringing some lambs to the castle from my lord of Ashford's table. They have a conversation back and forth. Dunk tells him to leave. He's like, you need to go. And he he was like, well, then you'll need to ride all the way to King's Landing. You'd miss the journey. King's Landing? For a moment, Dunk wondered if he had been mocked, but the boy had no way of knowing that he had been born at King's Landing as well. 
another wretch from Flea Bottom like as not, and who can blame him for wanting out of that place? This was my favorite part. He felt foolish for standing there with a sword in hand over an eight-year-old orphan. (laughs) He sheathed it, glowering, glowering, so whatever, so the boy would see that he would suffer no nonsense. But Dunk, I mean, Egg, I'm doing the same thing as you are. It's hard, right? He's like, I'm cooking fish. You better turn it over. You gotta have one side roll, one side burnt. He felt foolish. <laughs> I don't, I'm looking at the picture on page 23 of of Egg with his little. Uh, he's got a little something over his head. But anyway, then they talk about they make it's like a little hood. That's when he hood. asked him about his uh, hair, why it's shaved. And yeah, he gets a little self conscious. Then I love the. I mean, I could read this whole chapter. Then I love how he decides he blurts out Sir Duncan the Tall as his name. And then he asked why, so good. why the, he asked him what's his name. The boy hesitated. Egg, he said. Dunk did not laugh. His head does look like an egg. Small boys can be cruel and grown men as well. And then they see the shooting star after that. So the whole thing is just, it just feels a little prophesied almost. I mean, look, if we're in Westeros and there's shooting stars flying over your head, I'm not going to. It's, it's only going to get more feeling like that, by the way. There's two things in this chapter that made me feel that way. That was one of them. Shooting stars floating over the head. It's like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to that. The second was when he was in the inn and that drunk guy was like, I dreamed about you. Let's go, mystery. Yeah, I'm like, I have read too much of A Song of Ice and Fire to just let that pass as some guy yelling in the street, you know? Yep. So I'll read that. I have that saved somewhere. I also have a note called Babe City. Let's just read that really quick. (laughs) When he caught the smell of sausages sizzling over a smoky fire, his mouth began to water. He bought one with a copper from his pouch and a horn of ale to wash it down. Now this is a day first off, right? (laughs) As he ate, he watched a painted wooden knight battle a painted wooden dragon. The puppeteer who worked the dragon was good to watch too. A tall drink of water with the olive skin and black hair of Dorn. She was slim as a lance with no breast to speak of, but Dunk liked her face and the way her fingers made the dragon snap and slither at the end of its strings. He would have tossed the girl a copper if he had one to spare. But just now, he needed every coin. All right, what was I looking up? I got a little distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Babe City. The drunk man at the inn saying oh, yeah. that he dreamed yeah, yeah, yeah. of dunk. All right. Hold on, let's read this note. Contentment. This is what it means to be a knight, he told himself, as he sucked the last bit of meat off the bone. Good food and ale whenever I want it, and no one to clout me in the head. <laughs> Okay, the dreamer. Bear in mind, this guy's passed out in a pool of wine on the table. Apparently, he's paid enough that this nice woman at the the inn isn't going to clean him up. Uh, I dreamed of you. His hand trembled as he pointed a finger. You stay away from me, do you hear? He woke up really fast. You stay well away. Dunk stared at him uncertainly. My lord? The innkeeper leaned close. Never you mind that one, sir. <laughs> it's Dobby. All he does is drink and talk about his dreams. I'll see about that food. She bustled off. Food? The lordly made the word an obscenity. Food? He staggered to his feet, one hand on the table to keep himself from falling. I'm going to be sick, he announced. <laughs> the front of his tunic was crusty red with old wine stains. I wanted a whore, but there's none to be found here. All gone to Ashford Meadow. Gods be good. I need some wine. He lurched unsteadily from the common room, and Dunk heard him climbing steps, singing under his breath. A sad creature, thought Dunk, but why did he think he knew me? He pondered that a moment over his ale. So that was it. But it was enough. It was enough of a window. Kind of to my original point. Different things happen in this that are going to feed into not only the excitement for more successor stuff, whether it be books or shows, but I think all added up are offering the appropriate context to go into the next one with like the best preparation possible. And so to be not too far into the beginning of the story and to have someone say something that's so third wall breaking is right up my alley. Exactly the kind of spicy ingredient that I want. I didn't see it coming. How did it affect you, this being a total shock for you? It was just something that, like a radar going off in my head, you know, of he's seemingly a nothing throwaway background guy who is the town drunk or whatever. And he says this thing that's so pointed. And so I just feel like dreams specifically in A Song of Ice and Fire, you can't. 
throw those to the wayside. So if he had said something else, then maybe it would have been less suspicious in my mind. But You stay away from me is quite forward. It is. I don't have a lot of thought at this point. Right, like a theory about what, what that it could means be. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or why he would say that. But it just rang up. It just was like red flag, like pay attention to this. So I just right. highlighted it and I wrote, who was this man? What did he dream? What did he drink, really? What did he I dream? Guess we know what he drank. <laughs> <laughs> what made him like that? Yeah. So all of that to to roll into the fact that there is a lot of richness and a lot of that mystery on top of this seemingly humble guy who's just kind of trying to figure out how to make his way. It adds it, it creates a really nice welcoming easy read that I'm Loving. So it's hard like it. to stop. <laughs> you like it, like it. Yeah, I really like it. Really? Yeah. Right on. I thought you might. It's, uh, this is not an insult at all, but it's got way more of like a, a YA vibe than oh, the other books Oh, that's what have. I was exactly going to say. Yeah. A coming of age kind of. But it's still grown up. It's still grown the, up. But the it elements ha- that are happening are actually dangerous. But it has at least these very first couple pages like we it's were talking innocent. about it's very innocent yeah. and so it feels like coming of age e somebody really important is gone and now he's off to find the stuff on his own i love ya and mm-hmm. so that's that's up my alley dunk is like looking at this girl but he doesn't even know what to do with her right so that's ya that's pretty much completely that it's very innocent it's it's all very innocent yeah. and there's not especially when it comes to women Mm-hmm. Men and women in a song by Fire. There's not a lot of innocence there, you know. No, so I think that yeah, adds into no, no, yeah. adds into that vibe. <laughs> Selling the horse. Henley liked the look of Sweetfoot well enough until he heard Dunk wanted to sell her. Then all the stable <laughs> can see her were her faults. Come on, classic. Come on. All right. Well, so after Dunk sees Plumber, the steward, he's told that he needs to get the Dondarian bloke that he might know to vouch for him, right? So we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime... So he, he sells Sweetfoot. Is that her name? His yeah. name? Sweetfoot? Yeah. With the promise that I'll be back, which I think is so sweet, for lack of a better yeah. word. And one thing I thought was really funny was how he's ex- inspecting his money. And he like yeah. it's the first time he's bit gold. And he was like, this kind of rules a little. <laughs> but then he realizes that it's been shaved yeah. off. Can you imagine if our money was yeah, that like that? The same how thought. inconsistent things would be. Yeah. So he gets paid for what he's due, and then he's got a pocket full of change. And I, I, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I loved the description of him walking with what that felt like, and he was it was both exciting and scary mm-hmm. for him. And the then possibilities he, are almost endless, but not like that Balenciaga armor. Right. <laughs> so it's like we can get food. Uh-huh. That's the thing. I can go get the dollar menu uh-huh. McDonald's. We uh-huh. can get like twelve nuggets right now. Man, that's such a, a good fresh vibe. Fresh Diet Coke. That's such a good vibe. It is a great vibe. And that's, I just think, something that's so nice about this part of the story is that the warmth that comes from the simple things mm-hmm. that, that are freedom. so good. I guess it's freedom. I you, you describe it as that. And I think maybe I'm not smart enough to see it like that. I'm just focused on how good it does feel to get thick ale on your tongue. Right. It's like, ooh, and it's nutty brown ale. Ooh, that sounds good. Like, there is so much to draw from that. I love that. That's pretty much where my intellect ends. How cold is the soda? Uh Oh, what a night we're going to have. It's good vibes all around. So what does he do? What's the first thing he does with his dollar bills? He goes back to that girly that he had a crush on. Of course, dude. Throws her a couple change for yesterday, too. All right, I'm going to read it. Dunk stopped to watch the wooden dragon slain. When the puppet knight cut its head off and the red sawdust spilled out onto the grass. Pay attention to this, by the way, Hannah. He laughed aloud and threw, you're going to need to. No no spoiler, it's just for some reason. I'll read it again. When the puppet knight cut its head off and the red sawdust spilled out onto the grass, he laughed aloud and threw the girl two coppers. First off, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a normal thing to do. It's kind of wild to just throw money at her. Right, it is. One for last night, he called. Which, I mean, there's other people there. Okay. She caught the coins in the air and threw him back a smile, as sweet as any he'd ever seen. That is That's a good so interaction. Nice. Like Jasmine. What's the movie she's in? <laughs> Aladdin. Yeah, is that your Aladdin? Disney princess crush? I'm kind of imagining that. Nah, okay. Yeah, for sure, I think so. One of them. As sweet as any he'd ever seen. This is Dunk's game that he gives back to her. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. I know you read it, but I mean, as a woman, hear me say this and tell me how effective it is. (laughs) Will you drink a horn of ale? 
he asked the puppet girl as she was scooping the sawdust blood back into her dragon. With me, I mean. Or a sausage? I had a sausage last night. It was good. They're made with pork, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Your turn. (laughs) She's like, um, I'm working. (laughs) I'm still working right now. I'm scooping sawdust right now. Pork, you said. Wow. Uh Pork sausage. You had it last night, too? Was it good? Mm. (laughs) I'm hungry, so yeah, that might work. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Catch me at the right time during the day. You can get me with that. Yeah, totally. That's what makes him so likable, you know? There's no heraldry about it. He's just... That's what's... It's like you were describing. Just his simplistic, wholesome view of stuff at this point right now. Like, that's the most exciting thing that's been happening to him, and he wanted to share it. That's nice. That is nice. I didn't I didn't see it that, like that. I thank you, my lord. But we have another show. The girl rose and ran off to the fierce, fat Dornish woman who worked the puppet night while Dunk stood there feeling stupid. He liked the way she ran, though. a pretty girl and tall I would not have to kneel to kiss that one (laughs) he knew how to kiss (laughs) oh my gosh a tavern girl had showed him one night in Lannisport a year ago but she'd been so short she had to sit on the table to reach his lips the memory made his ears burn what a great fool he was I like that this is there's too short this is this is good wordplay He knew how to kiss, period. Mm -hmm. A couple sentences later, what a great fool he was, period. (laughs) It was jousting he should be thinking about, not kissing. So true, brother. I, what a fun, it's just fun. Like, what's some fun little interactions? All fun and games right now. The tourney hasn't started yet. I know it hasn't. I'm having a good time. I'm probably going to feel silly for having such a good time. And I'm looking forward to seeing, obviously she's unnamed now, but she will be named later, so... She's going to play a role, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing if he can shoot his shot a little bit better, if she ever gives him what he what he wants. Okay, so you want to do Owns? All right, guys. I sure do. Time for Owns, for part one of the Hedge Knight, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, a century before, a Game of Thrones. Wait, no. Go back. Two unlikely heroes wandered Westeros. I'm going to give my own to the very first moment that Dunk and Egg meet each other. Because reading this on page eight and just realizing what kind of story this was going to be and that it was not going to be what I thought it was going to be before I cracked it open, how much fun is that? Is that what did it for you? Yeah. Their exchange? Their exchange. Oh, that's awesome. It's just the picture, the exchange. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Dunk, as he dismounted, a naked boy emerged dripping from the stream and began to dry himself on a rough spun brown cloak. Are you the stable boy? Dunk asked him. The lad looked to be no more than eight or nine, a pasty-faced skinny thing, his bare feet caked in mud up to the ankle. His hair was the queerest thing about him. He had none. I'll want my palfrey rubbed down and oats for all three. Can you tend to them? The boy looked at him brazenly. I could, if I wanted. (laughs) I just, that is so good. Look at the pic. I mean, they're just, the whole thing. And so, own to that for just setting such a good tone for these guys dynamic yeah. and such a good tone for who these characters are yeah. and for making me so excited to read the rest of this book that's so nice because b- prior to that it was a funeral basically yeah it was really heavy yeah and sad and so george is like okay what's next i'm gonna go to a place okay what's the next event a targaryen boy splashes out of the water naked and he's given cheek to you and he's got so much mud all the way up like he's been out he's got mud shoes on yeah so good that's nice so own to that mine's from a couple paragraphs before that this is when um dunk was saying his last words to sir arlen as he was burying him i really like this i leave your sword but it would rust in the ground he said at last apologetic he didn't know what to say Sir Arlen never really taught him how to talk at a funeral when someone you love has died. The gods will give you a new one, I guess. I wish you didn't die, sir. He paused, uncertain. What else needed to be said? He didn't know any prayers, not all the way through. The old man had never been much for praying. You were a true knight, and you never beat me when I didn't deserve it. He finally managed. Except that one time in Maidenpool. (laughs) It was the inn boy who (laughs) ate the little woman's pie, not me. I told you. It doesn't matter now, or it don't matter now. The gods keep you, sir. That was really nice. Really nice. That was fun. 
now it's time to go into your owns. Thanks to everybody who said this in. We put the call for owns up maybe two hours before we sat down to record. Mm-hmm. And so really appreciate everybody who stepped up. It was so nice. A lot of you sent some really you sweet exist. messages. Yeah, people sent some really sweet messages, and we are... I'm just really happy. Hey, this isn't a random episode, episode that we're doing. I mean, we're we're getting right back in the swing of things, like right now, Completely. just to let you all know. Yeah, no, so, we're back, baby. Thank you. So, it feels good. So, thank you, everybody, who did send in your owns really soon. And I'm going to start first on Instagram with at Mrs. Duncan the Tall, which this okay. is your this time is your to shine. Time. This is your time name. to shine. Yes. Own to Chestnut for carrying Dunk 611 behind all the way to Ashford. So true. And own to Sir Arlen for being a total G and raising Dunk as his own. M. Jerry Nagin Art. Own to Dunk for finding the hottest girls at any event to do stupid shit for love. Okay, I got this better. Own to Dunk for finding the hottest girls at any event to do stupid shit. Love that for him. <laughs> for him. I got stupid <laughs> shit for him. Right on. I reposted that. Love that for him. Um, Ashea said, Tansel too tall, more like Tansel too talented. Love mm-hmm. her puppetry work. I also love Tansel's puppet work. I think that there's an opportunity for us to integrate that in some kind of programming at some kind of place going into the future. If there's any puppeteers listening, please let us know. <laughs> I'm going to move to Twitter right now. Mostly Twitter was uh, just jokes and shit talking as Twitter has devolved into, but that's a good thing. That's kind of all we've ever done yes. on our Twitter account. <laughs> yes. So if anything, we're more home now than ever. <laughs> From Chase, Ghost Chase Killa. Own to Hannah for finally reading this. Ah! <laughs> so true, bestie. There was something so that true. happened. I think when the TV show got announced, we tweeted, now finally, Hannah was like, oh great, now I finally have to read Dunkin' Egg. Yeah. <laughs> so the the gods have chosen. It's all coming together really nicely. I'm really happy that this I did. This was fun. Yeah, I'm so, so thanks happy. Thanks for still doing the podcast with me. Well, I'm thanks for everybody for listening still. I mean, this is, it's it's nice to be back. So I hope everybody jumps in and reads along with us. And like you said, we're going to be back. Like, we're back. So So we'll see you next week, I guess. See you later.